everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody. This is Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert. And I'm here on podcast number 16, which is a little potluck podcast. We're going to talk about things that have happened in the Amazon world in the past week or so, things that have happened in my business, um, all sorts of stuff. So we'll get started right away because I know people want to know what this big announcement was. Um, Martha, I say evening because we have some listeners in Europe where it's evening. So, and people could be listening to replays later. So that's why I say evening. I need to get some like Edward R. Murrow opening down um, to be a little more exciting, but I haven't come up with anything yet. So, um, so anyway, the big announcement. It's not, it's not a change in my business or our business because Ron is doing the same thing, but it's a different way of looking at something. And realizing that I thought I kept my eyes open pretty good and paid attention to lots of stuff, but I missed a big thing and um, fixed it. So here's what happened. If you were on the Thrifting for Profit podcast last week, you heard about some issues I had with a seller taking the price on a particular item. And it's a seller that sells pretty much everything I do except my exclusives and my bundles. They they source from the same people and all that. And they've tried to sneak in on my bundles that have articles attached, and I have reported them to Amazon, and they've been kicked off and all that. So, so you know, it's a seller I'm aware of. Last week, I got in um, a shipment of items, that replenishment of some um, jewelry-making things, and I started listing them. And this is an item that they ran anywhere in price my wholesale cost twelve to fourteen dollars, and I have I'm at the highest discount level that the company offers. They're very clear about their pricing. You know what you need to get the highest discount level. So I know what these cost. I go to list them and I look um, um, on Inventory Lab because that's where I list and it shows offers. And somebody is selling it FBA for four dollars on one of them and five dollars or another. Well, that's one-third of their cost, approximately. So I click on to find out who this bozo is who's doing this, and come to find out I know the company. It's one who's on all my listings. So I, hmm, that's really weird. So I went in, and I bought all, of, all they had of this product because it's a steady seller. It's not a, a huge, um, big seller, um, but... It's a steady seller, and the item is about two inches by two inches by a half inch, so it's small. Um, and Alp, it's not Ron, because Ron and I cannot sell the same thing. That is part of the agreement with Amazon that you can't sell the same products. Um, so it wasn't him. So it's, it's my, my competitor. So, um, so I buy these, and they show up. I have a separate buying account that does not have Prime on it. 
and paranoid me. I even have a separate credit card that's not tied to my Amazon selling account on there and all that. So, so there was like 17 of one and like six of another and five of one, and they're variations on the same product. So I bought them. And then I just happened to think, hmm, I wonder if they've made any other mistakes on their pricing. And then I got busy and didn't do anything about it. Didn't do anything. Got to list another product a few days later from a different supplier, and it's a product that the wholesale price is $90, and they were selling it for $8.99. Wholesale was $90, and they're selling for $8.99. So, you know, the light bulb went on, and I looked at the product. They had three of these in stock. It was their price. Their re, the suggested retail from the manufacturer was like $199 or $189, something like that. So, Wendy, exactly. I thought, oh, they've made a mistake and have a repricer that's gone crazy. So I put those three things in my cart, and then I said, hmm, I wonder what else has um, gone crazy. How long did it take me to figure this out? Like three days, right? So I went to their Amazon storefront, and they had like 600 SKUs. Um, a lot of them were inexpensive items that I don't think I wouldn't sell on Amazon. They're retailing for four and five dollars, and and that is the correct price because I, you know, I can tell at a glance what the prices are on these products. But as I start poking through, they've got like jewelry pliers that wholesale for twenty dollars for eight ninety nine. Wholesale 20, I sell them for 45, 8.99. So the light bulb finally goes on, and I said, I'm going to buy out their whole store. And so between Ron and I, we did. We bought out everything they had that was worth selling on Amazon because most of it was um, one-third to one-fourth of our wholesale cost on these products, which was just insanity. So in the midst of doing this massive purchase, you know, I broke it up into, to, you know, orders of 100 items or something. I think there ended up being 1,800 units that we ordered from them. Um, I sent an email to my contact at one of the big companies who I have a really, really good working relationship with and showed her a screenshot of this, this $189 item that they're selling for $899. And she says, that's funny. Another dealer of ours just sent me the exact same thing. I don't know what's going on. So we cleaned out their store, bought everything that was worth selling. We're getting like 30 Amazon packages a day because they break up the orders into small stuff. Um, I'm assuming they went out of business, and here's why. They used to have a standalone website also, and that domain is empty and is now parked with GoDaddy. So, um, so yeah. So 1,800 units at about one-fourth of wholesale, not one-fourth of retail, one-fourth of my wholesale cost. Um, I stopped adding up what I spent at like $6,000. Fortunately, um, I have the cash to be able to do it, and it's perfect timing with Q4 coming coming up. So um, out they are real products. I've gotten some of them in, and they are definitely. And I know where they get them. They get them from my major supplier also. Um, it's not like a company called 
China Wholesale Inc. that we know they're knockoffs. These, they're the real deal. I got some Swedish pliers in yesterday from this that retail for $90. And I think I paid 18 for them, and the retail is $90. Um, and they are the real deal. I know what the packaging looks like and everything. So, so um, yeah, I don't know what happened and why they went out of business. Their feedback was excellent on Amazon. Um, it was 100%. And, you know, they had like 4,000 feedbacks, so they they sold a lot of stuff. Um, I'm just dying to know what happened um, as to why they just, they felt it necessary to, to dump the prices so low on those really expensive things, but yet packets of, of beads and crimps that, you know, normally would sell for $8.99, they had it like $7.99. So it, they're... I've been spending the last week trying to figure out what the logic was in dumping the high-priced products so much and keeping the low um, the low products um, as it is. Exactly, Wendy. That's Wendy said the exact same thing. Why sell something so low when you could have sold it for more? You know, I mean, maybe they felt that's how they could get a little bit of cash back. Maybe there was some desperation. Um, so, yeah, so it was a massive liquidation on Amazon. I've been getting a lot of messages that they couldn't fill my order because they ran out of inventory, um, even though I checked out and all that. Um, to be honest, um, I, it's going to be a nightmare keeping track of this stuff because I had like 14 boxes from Amazon come yesterday. There's like 25 that are due today because I get those um, um, UPS My Choice notices. Um, and Ron was buying while he was at, on his lunch hour at the same time I was buying here. So we're just going to have to sort out who gets what um, out of this mess and figure out, you know, the money. So it's going to be spreadsheet time and all of that. So our deal is the stuff I'm already selling on Amazon, obviously I'll get even though he bought it and vice versa, stuff he's already selling, he'll get. And then we'll divvy up the stuff that's new to us. Like there's diamond testers and things like this in this batch of stuff, you know, that um, not great sales rank, but when you pay $8 for a $200 item, you can sit on it quite a long time. And all this stuff is small. I mean, the diamond test is probably the biggest thing, and it's like eight inches by four inches by two inches. So, um, so yeah, so I'm hoping that the um, my contact at the major supplier can um, – can find out what's going on um, because it wasn't just the one company stuff that they got rid of. It was the three major suppliers that I use. It was all of their stuff. Um, so yeah, a divorce, I don't know. A, a devaluing inventory before bankruptcy, I don't know. I don't know. It, isn't that, it's just a crazy thing and I cannot figure out the logic of devaluate, devaluing some of the things they weigh, the way they did. Like, I bet they could have sold the diamond testers for $100, a half price, you know? I mean, so, so, um, so Wendy, no, it was too, um, well, I mean, I guess it could have been a pricing issue, a repricer gone crazy, and that was my first thought, but I don't think so. Um, I, I, that doesn't give me the feeling because the fact that their domain is now gone, um, that it's just a part domain now. Um, yeah, exactly, Buffy. So, um, so yeah, it's like, so, you know, 6,000, I think the total is going to be about 6,000 when all the cancellations come in and everything. So, so now my next, um, my next 
uh, task is to figure out a way to logically keep track of what was ordered, what came in, and what got charged by Amazon because Amazon is charging in little bitty increments. So like the 25 boxes that are due today were 25, they broke the order up into 25 pieces and um, charged you know, each of those separately and there also, there were so many cancellations. I have just lost track. So I haven't opened any but the one that was the expensive Swedish pliers um, because those were in bubble envelopes. And um, I just got to get a real systematic way of going through and checking and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, Alf, I think that's what I'm going to have to do is, and then, and then match the charges up with each charge on my credit card and all that kind of stuff because, because I don't trust Amazon totally. Um, yeah, so, um, and Martha, I, I, the repricer thing, yeah, um, you would think that, I thought that if it was, when I first bought the 17 or the one item the first time, well, it's a repricer and they'll see it's a mistake and they'll fix it, but when they didn't, it's, it's crazy. Um, uh, Wendy, that's a very, very good question. Wendy asked about MAP. Um, I did contact the one of the vendors who does have MAP on their stuff, and she, I sent her a screenshot after I bought them all. Um, I sent her a screenshot and said, don't these items have MAP? And she says, yes, we'll look into it. But I think that's kind of a moot point now because I bought them, and if they've gone out of business, there's not much they can do to slap their hands. Um, the other supplier, there is no MAP on them, and the third one, there is no MAP. So, um so that's that's another issue. So um, yeah. So my lesson learned is if I see a mistake like that, don't just assume it's a mistake on the one product, okay? Because I probably could have bought twice as much if I'd have acted the three days before. Um, because I'm sure other people, not just not third-party vendors, but other people buying for their own use saw these prices and were buying stuff. Um, definitely. So that's my lesson to you is if you see a mistake on one, go investigate a little further. Don't let the time go by um, before the light bulb goes on. So I don't know why it took me three days to figure it out, but it was a crack up around here with us just, you know, buying, buying, buying. And it was like, it was weird because at first I was like, oh, this is stupid to be buying all this stuff. And then I thought, no, it's not because I sell it anyway and I'm getting it at a better price, you know? So, um, that's a case where um, where um, paying attention to details can really, really help. And I, I'm sorry I didn't do it earlier, but you can learn from my mistakes. So, um, so um, Martha talks about a, a drop from the suppliers. Um, yeah, you know, that's a the major one is a big company, and that's the one I have the really good relationship. So. Um, I'm not going to tell her what I did unless she asks, and then I'll tell her, because, you know, what can they do? Um, it's business is business, you know? Um, but, um, boy, um, I can't imagine if Martha says it was a, an angry employee, that would be awful. Um, oh, geez, that would be awful. But three days, and if you're not looking at your reports and seeing that you had three three items that should be 189 sell for 899, um, anyway, so um, yeah, free enterprise. Yes, I kind of think about it that way. 
Um, yeah, I don't think it's a boss on vacation because it's a mom and pop company, and they're very clear about it that their their kids named the company after something in Harry Potter, and the kids are now grown. Um, so it was like when the first Harry Potter book came out. That's how they named the company. And yeah, the website's gone, so it's they're out of business, and it's a shame. I don't like to see that, but I'm certainly going to take advantage of it, and I would suggest you guys too. So here's the lesson. You found, find one weird thing on Amazon, like a price that just doesn't seem right. Um, don't just stop with that one item. Go into the storefront of that seller, um, and you can do it by just clicking on the link on the listing, and it will take you to their storefront, and just poke, poke around a bit and see what you can find out. And it may be that there's only one item they want to liquidate, but who knows, it could be a whole store. So, so it's, it's technically not a new business model, but it's a new thing I will pay more attention to. I'm not going to go around doing online arbitrage for every bead shop and jewelry store and knitting shop that has a website, but I'm going to be more aware when I, get, when I see anomalies, especially on Amazon, I'm going to look into them a little more. Spend the five minutes and, and kind of suss out what's going on instead of just blowing it off. So, um, so um, I'm kind of glad to see them gone in a way because that means less competition for me. And I have to tell you, my sales are up in the last week by about 10%. And part of that could be the Q4 thing, but I think part of it is I'm selling odd stuff that we both carried, you know, things to melt down um, scrap metal, you know, the crucibles to do that and stuff. So um, so the weird stuff is moving because they're not on the listings anymore. And I have two other competitors. One, I do not mind in the least because they price fairly. Um, they don't seem to mess up listings at all. So we just play nice. You know, that's fine. And they mostly merchant fulfill, which is fine. And then there's another one who can be really difficult. And um, I'm just going to watch them more carefully. To um, so um, keep an eye on stuff um, in your niche, especially where you know prices and know products, and you know what you might find stuff. And I have to say, um, I, I don't think I I have to say, and I'm gonna say it in public. I don't feel guilty for doing it because if I didn't, somebody else would. And that's the prices they set on the products. I didn't like strong arm them into pricing things like that. So I think I think it was a fair business move. Um, others may disagree, but um, but yeah. So um, so Wendy, they were in business since the first Harry Potter book came out. So I don't know how long ago that was because I'm the one person in the world who has not read Harry Potter. So what is that? Twenty years ago, maybe. So they've been in business long enough to know better. And um, if they had to liquidate for health reasons or stuff like that, that's sad. But, but there you go. So um, that's lesson number one is pay attention and don't do what I did and wait three days because I could have probably had twice as much stuff. So. Ah, so Wendy didn't read Harry Potter either. That's, we're the two people in the world then, you know. Um, yeah, and Buffy, that was my feeling. They set the price and I am doing, I'm responding to what they set as the price. So, um, so anyway, so the next thing we're going to talk about is the ungating stuff. Debbie Weeder, I'm talking to you right now. Um, as far as I have seen this morning, the 
almost instantaneous or very easy sort of instantaneous ungating is still happening. So if, if you haven't tried all the categories that you are not ungated in, you're being a fool. And that is because it can cost upwards in clothing. People are charging $500 to ungate you in clothing, to do the images, the flat files, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so double check your um, approvals and make sure you're approved in everything that you can be while the iron is hot. Debbie put it off day before yesterday, and I got on her case last night, and she got into the four biggest clothing, jewelry, shoes and handbags, and travel, I think it was. So, um, so yeah, so um, save, save the money and do it now. Um, some of them, we, we, they are um, saying we'll get back to you. Some of them are instantaneous. There's no rhyme or reason, and I, I have not seen a pattern. Um, Wendy, God, I don't know. It's, she says she's not getting approved. Um, so, um, so just keep, keep at it. You can find out, an easy way to find out which ones you're approved in is go to the Add a Product um, link on the Manage All Inventory page. And um, then you can, on the upper left, there's this thing that says, um, oh, she's selling, let me look, selling privileges. I can't remember what, what it is exactly called. Um, let me find the link here because I have it up. Um, selling application status. So it's, it's on the add a product page, selling application status. And it'll show you what categories you're approved in. Um, one thing is the dates are wrong on it. I was approved in jewelry like 10 years ago, and it shows it's only two years old. Um, so, and I was approved in like, like um, clothing like three years ago, and it shows last year. So don't worry um, about the um, dates on that. Just see what, you, um, what you've been approved on, and just, just keep doing it, you know? Um, so let me scroll down here. Guys are going like crazy. Um, Carolyn paid 500 for jewelry and 400 for clothing. So yeah, that'll as I said to somebody in the group, that'll pay for four years. That would be like five years membership in the group. Um, so um, so there you go. It's it's funny um, when this happens. The a couple things um, you'll you'll encounter as you go through it. For those of you who haven't done it, if, if it says what brand are you selling, just put a brand name in there. Make sure it's not one of the weirdly restricted brands in that category, like um, health and beauty, you wouldn't put Oral-B or Gillette because that's a restricted brand. Or in clothing, Under Armour is going to be restricted as of the first of the month, so don't put Under Armour. But just pick a nice general brand that there's stuff on. Um, um, somebody, and I can't remember who it was, says they put Crush for every, every application they do. Um, so, um, so, and you, if, if it says, are you the brand owner? No, you're not, unless you private label your products. But the next thing it'll ask, do you buy them from the manufacturer or an authorized representative? Yes, you will. Um, that's another thing to ask. What they're trying to do there is get rid of the retail arbitrage people. Um, so if someone says, yes, I'll buy them from the manufacturer or an authorized distributor, and they buy them from retail arbitrage, they are technically not following what they said they're doing. 
So just technicalities. Um, so, um, so it's Buffy who does crush. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. There are services who, um, who do this, paid services. Karen Locker does one. Um, and I do like Karen because she's been, um, she's been on um, e-commerce stuff as long as I can remember. There's been Facebook and, and social media so quite a long time. Um, now, Target is not an authorized distributor. Target is a retailer, and that's a big difference. Like it's, God, the scrolling so fast. Um, Martha, um, it's not a distributor. They're a retailer, and technically, in business legalities, that's a difference. So, um, so yeah, um, so do it. Um, I'm going to call Debbie out again. Don't get t- sidetracked. So Debbie had a great picture about you know, she wrote out for her husband to show what she'd been doing when she didn't answer his texts last night that he was coming home from work. So um, so there you go. So get yourself ungated while the iron is still hot. You'll save yourself a ton of money and a ton of stress. And even if you don't ever expect to sell in that category, it can't hurt. At this point, it's taking you a few minutes to do it. And what if you buy Halloween costumes that you think are in toys? And all of a sudden, they're in clothing because that's how the person who made the listing put them. You don't want to have to go to the hassle of moving them and all that with Halloween fast approaching. So if you're in clothing, you can go ahead and list. So, um, so, uh, so there you go. Um, so Wendy is going to apply again. Let me ask, for example, for groceries. I was in the process of getting invoices, I'm thinking she was going to say. Um, We'll see what she says and come up. So, um, so, so you, in groceries, they only if you upload your resale license, they only require one order receipt. Really, Wendy? Follow up on that because there's a couple people who are having trouble with um, health and beauty and all that. So. Um, so that would be interesting. Um, Sarah, I hope you're listening to that one. Cause, um, so, yeah, so maybe, Sarah, if you hear back um, in the negative on the health and beauty, um, we can try that. that that's a new thing, too. Um, it, this is just craziness. Um, I think it kind of, to be honest, defeats the whole purpose of gating. Um, but then again, we kind of look at our whole life on Facebook with all these groups is that everybody knows as much as we do, but they don't. If they're not in groups that can pass on this information and all that, um, um, then it's going to be difficult um, for them. So, um, so yeah, so just keep trying. Um, if you get stuck on stuff, send me a PM on Facebook, and I'll try to, to help. Um, now, I had, there was a question from, I think, from Bay about DVDs. And this one I have lots of experience with. Um, um, did, Bay, did you try the automatic approval first um, and did it, it, it didn't go through? They're still asking for um, invoices. If they are, I can tell you the best thing to do. It's not go to a big distributor that does Warner Brothers and, and all of the big studio DVDs. Find niche publishers. So that could be a company 
that sells bird watching DVDs. They produce, they film, produce, and distribute bird watching DVDs, or they um, they might um, they might do um, home repair like plumbing or or some niche thing, oil painting, anything that's a niche subject, um, gardening. Um, Sports stuff, like, you know, how to improve your bowling score or, you know, find a small publisher of DVDs. Um, And then I would suggest um, getting a few of a couple copies on three different invoices. So maybe three of two copies on one, three of three, three titles, three copies of titles on another, and then on another. So you'll have three invoices for like nine different titles in enough sellable quantity, and that's what they ask for is sellable quantity. One is not a sellable quantity. They could say you're just buying that for yourself. Buying three um, shows that you are buying these for resale. Um, Make sure that you have an invoice that has their contact information on it, and this is an invoice which businesses supply invoices to other businesses. Receipts are from businesses to consumers. So you want an invoice and that has all their contact information, including phone number, your business information on it, and details about what you bought, um, not just part numbers. It really should say the title of the DVD or whatever. Um, so give that a try. It'll take some Googling to find those sources, but they are out there um, because I sell in several niches. I sell DVDs from small publishers like that that um, – that um, aren't mainstream stuff. I don't sell any big Hollywood movies or anything like that. It's all niche kind of things. Um, So that's a good way to start. Um, First, I would try to see if you can get in automatically because Debbie's saying she got in in DVDs uh, without applying. So take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt because it could change by the time the podcast's over. So give it a try. But the, um, the small niche publishers are not only the way to get approved, but that's the kind of stuff you need to be selling on Amazon in DVDs. You can't compete with Amazon selling the latest Hollywood releases, you know, Cinderella or The Judge or anything that's come out at the theater recently. You can't compete because they're buying tens of thousands of them and you buying 10 or 20 or whatever. I don't think that that's the best use of your money and your time. I think finding smaller niche markets that Amazon... It's not enough for Amazon to worry about, um, but is um, uh, good for you because you're a smaller market. So, um, so there you go. So that's the ungating story. Keep at it. If you're listening to the replay, I would still try because you never know when this will slam shut and then come back open. I mean, it's, it's not like I have some massive major inside knowledge of Amazon about what's going on. Um, so, and Buffy's saying she thinks Amazon is about to unleash something major. Um, very well could be. Very well could be. And they certainly don't let you know about any of it ahead of time. My God, isn't the run-up to Q4 the stupidest time to do something like that to your sellers? That's crazy. Yeah, we'll just throw a big monkey wrench in the works um, and change something. But maybe they're engaging all these people in the hopes of getting more um, inventory for Q4. That could be too, you know, that they're thinking, okay, if we get more sellers in, we will um, have more stuff to sell and we'll go there. So um, so there you go. I do want to um, 
point out one thing about Amazon for newish sellers in the group, those of you who have been around a while will know, is that Amazon can change at the flip of a switch, and 99% of the time you don't get warning about changes. It just happens, and then they tell you that they've changed things after. So that's, that's kind of this big unknown that is a difficulty in selling on Amazon that you just have to get used to and roll with the punches. And for control freaks like me, it's hard. But it gets easier the more you do it. So, so new sellers, don't, um, don't panic. If that happens, um, just keep your nose to the grindstone, keep sourcing products, keep sending in. So I um, had a talk yesterday, a very interesting phone call with a woman who's technically on the Amazon FBA global team. And she contacted me because I was selling on Amazon.co.uk, and she wanted to um, she wanted to ask some questions. So fine, um, you know, we agreed on a time to call. And I have to say, she was a really delightful woman to talk to. Um, it was um, she listened and she asked really pertinent questions. So I, I felt really good about the call. So here's the upshot. Uh, even though she's on the global export team, she says anything she hears from third-party sellers um, like me, she will send to the appropriate people, which was really great. So we talked very little about global export in the end um, because I'm not doing it anymore because of shipping issues for me. And I explained to her because I can't get stuff shipped from where I live um, by DHL, and DHL is by far the cheapest international shipping company. Um, they were about one-third the cost of what UPS was for the same packages. And for me, there's no DHL. The closest DHL depot is in Salt Lake City. DHL doesn't deliver here. They don't pick up here. They don't do anything. So, um, so for me, it was just too much of a hassle to try to get the stuff to the UK. It was just a pain. So it was a big lesson learned um, not to listen to your DHL rep who says, yeah, no problem, fine, until you go to create the shipment and you find out, we do not service your location. And boy, did I raise H-E-C-K with him. Man, because he cost me a lot of money. If I didn't know that at the beginning, I'd have never done it. Never, ever. So I had my VAT registration. I had inventory. I had all this stuff that I spent money on. Um, so um, I did it for three months and then decided this was just not worth it. It's taking too much time from Amazon.com where I don't have those hassles. So anyway, we got to talking about other stuff. Um, including the major issues that affect I think, all of us in the group about sellers' ability to change listings in stupid ways, like from a one, single to a pack of six. And, you know, I said, so I've sent in 100 singles, and then all of a sudden the listing is changed to a pack of six. Um, then, then somebody buys it and they get from one for me and I get negative feedback and I get performance warnings and all that. And she says, how often does that happen? And I said, a lot. Unfortunately, it's flat file uploads that change things um, in material ways and it's not right. I said, so that's a huge issue that the catalog team needs to deal with like right away. If we try to change a page to get the, a spelling corrected in a title, it's an act of Congress to do it, yet somebody can change a single item to a pack of six in the blink of an eye. So that's, that's the one, the big thing on the catalog side I talked to her about. 
The next one was this whole shipping-owned container issue, SIOC it's called. That's, what, that's Amazon's um, little code word for it um, is SIOC. Um, they, um, they will ship a lot of things in, um, without putting it in a box. So I have a very fragile, so the biggest thing I sell is in like 14 by 16 by 12 box. And it's fragile, and it sells for $379. Um, I just discovered Amazon is sending it not in a shipping box, just by itself, in its retail packaging. So, um, so I, I and I found out, here's how I found out. I went to look at the listing page, and I made the listing. So it's a good listing. I made the listing. I look at it, and down in sort of bold type, at just above the fold, above, so you don't have to scroll, it says, this item um, will be visible when shipped is the wording on it, meaning they don't put it in a box. They just slap a label on the retail package and send it off. Now, this is small enough that it should be put in a box and is delicate enough to, that it has to be put in a shipping box. So it's not like it's a canoe and they don't have a box big enough for it, you know. Um, it's far smaller than the big case of toilet paper I got from Amazon this week, and they put it in the box. So I contacted... Um, contacted them, opened the case again, saying, you can't be doing this. Because I had one return last week, and I know now that it probably got dinged up in shipment, and they don't want it, and I don't blame them. So believe me, I'm going to ask Amazon to reimburse me for that one, too. Um, so, um, so there you go. So I opened it. So I told her about the, the SIOC and how we need to have some control over products that we send in that we know are fragile, that can be damaged, that we can control that they are put in a shipping box. So she, she, took, she took that one down. She also had a bunch of questions about um, um, the fee preview that's shown um, on your Manage Inventory page where it has, if you have that column enabled, it, there's a drop-down that shows exactly what part of each fee is attributed to it, like it's the pick and pack fee, it's the weight based fee, it's you know all that. And um, she asked how useful that is. And for me, it is. I don't delve into a lot of detail with it unless there is something that looks wrong. And in most of the cases, as I explained to her, it's because a bozo merchant fulfilled seller has made the weight of a DVD instead of six ounces, six pounds, so they can get more weight based shipping credit. Um, and I said, so that's how I use it, to look for something out of the ordinary. But she wanted me to ask all you guys, because I told her I'd be talking to you today, if, how you use the fee preview in the Manage Inventory page, and would there be other things they could do to it to make it more useful to you? So think about it a bit, and if you find that there are things that would make it more useful, um, please send me a private message, and I'll pass it on to her. Um, I think I think she's one who will really listen. I really I really liked her, and I promised her a ski trip to Jackson Hole if she could get the whole catalog issue changed. Um, so so let's hope if if it does get the whole changing catalog issue changed, we'll have to take up a collection to get her from Seattle to Jackson to go skiing. Um, I can do the skiing part, but well, you know, I figure that might be worth it. We could do that in an instant in, in the groups to to get it fixed. So. Uh, Martha, it's the fee preview feature on the Manage All Inventory page. There's a little drop-down. And if you don't have it, 
um, you might have that column hidden, so you'll have to activate it. Of course, if you have it hidden, that means you don't use it. So that's kind of a moot point then. So, um, so the other thing that she mentioned in passing, which I thought was wonderful, was they just moved it. Her team just moved into a new building in Seattle, and it is a dog-friendly building, which means people can bring their dogs to work, which I just think is awesome. So that made me think really nice of Amazon. And she says, it's so great because when you're having a bad day, you can just go pet a dog for a while. You know, and I thought that was really cool that it's, you can bring your dog to work and they can do it, you know, um, in your cubicle and all that. So I think that's just, I thought that was a really nice thing on Amazon. And obviously, Amazon probably did lots of studies to see how this affects a workplace, how it affects morale, how it affects productivity and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure there's lots of rules in place about, you know, what your dog can and cannot do in the in the building. But I think she said it's a um, it's a uh, really uh, good thing in this building because they're in a really stressful position. She said, and it just calms everybody down. So, so um, so Martha says she uses that feature. Um, um, to look for weight anomalies, the fee preview, and that's what I do too, and that's what I explained to her. She did not realize that the um, the bad weight issue was as bad as it was. And I said, it's like it seems like every listing is wrong. Either that, or we get it carried out to twelve digits, point two seven six five four three two ounces. Um, so, um, so that's another thing that she wasn't quite aware of that's an issue. Um, the images issue I brought up because, you know, we go to the trouble to take really nice images and put them up and somebody uploads a crummy one and we have to go back and fix it. And um, it, I explained that for me, 90% of my time is fixing Amazon issues, whether it's bad listings, bad photos, tracking down missing inventory, following up on stuff. Um, I said, you know, I love India and I love people in India. But the seller support needs lessons in um, concise writing. I understand that they're writing because that's, that's a cultural way that they were taught to express things, you know, beat around the bush basically when, and not answer the question. But I said we as third-party sellers really need um, to have clear and concise answers to our seller support things and not have to go back six or eight times. And I said, there are some things I stopped selling because I couldn't get the product page fixed and I just gave up because I couldn't deal with seller support anymore on the product. So I just gave up on it and said, I'll quit selling, selling that one, one item because it's terrible. Um, Deborah, I forgot to mention that. I will, um, I will send her an email, definitely. I told her I wouldn't bug her on really little things, but Deborah said... What about when I delete listings because I'm out of stock, and this is listings that she's created? All the bullet points go away for everybody. Very good point. That is, um, that is um, definitely one that I will talk to her because that's not a little issue, and that shouldn't happen. It really shouldn't. They just nobody has pointed it out um, that it is it is a problem. So I will um, I will send her a message. Um, and see what we can do on it, that she can send it to the catalog team and all that kind of stuff. 
And there also, I, um, I questioned her about the perception that a lot of third-party sellers have uh, that Amazon is just using us to look for products. And she said she's not in the buying side of Amazon. Um, that's not what she does. But she says they have teams of people sourcing products. Um, and those people really aren't associated with the, um, the people we send invoices in for approval and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, she, you know, she didn't discount it, but I don't think um, it's as bad as we think. And I think we give Amazon a lot more credit than they deserve on stuff. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't believe that, that they are using us, our invoices for um, category approvals to find products. I don't. They are certainly using products we, we list on Amazon and watching how they sell to see if it's worth their while to sell them, certainly. Um, that I realize, and that's why we have to find these niches that may, may be worth it to us but aren't worth it to Amazon. or we find suppliers who don't want to sell to Amazon but will sell to third-party sellers. And um, that's, a, um, that's a point where um, you, you as a person looking for a wholesaler need to explain to this new manufacturer why it's better to sell to you than to sell to Amazon. And I have three major ones. Is one... I'm not going to be, your product is not going to be one of 10 million that I sell. So it's going to get more time and attention from me. I will, excuse me, I will make sure the listing looks good, that I will provide um, good images um, that will entice buyers. Um, Martha got the next one because Amazon will race to the bottom in pricing and devalue your brand. That's the word the manufacturers want to hear because they don't want their brand devalued. And Martha got the next one. Amazon is crappy to deal with if you're a vendor selling to Amazon. They want to take forever to pay. And if it doesn't sell after what they feel is a reasonable time, they want to send it all back. And you know what returns look like from the warehouse. They're beat to heck. So those are the, the major points yeah, those are the major points I use when convincing a wholesaler to sell to me and not to Amazon. And there are some who have sold on to Amazon and have said never again. So um, I ran into several of them at the last trade show that says, yeah, we did it, it was horrible, and I wouldn't do it again. But they want their products on Amazon. And that's, um, that's where we come in. Um, we can be that middleman that will keep their product on Amazon, but they don't have to deal with Amazon. Um, Elizabeth said her bird feeder vendor, um, they was contacted by Amazon. Um, Elizabeth, I hope they didn't go with it, that they're sticking with you, because I think you had a really good relationship with them. So, um, so use, use that advice, uh, those talking points. Those are also the talking um, points about an exclusive, and that was asked in the group this week, and I said I would talk about exclusives also. Um, the, um, the asking for exclusives is, it can be a double-edged sword, um, and this is where you just have to, to play it by ear and listen to the undertone if it's in an email about your contact with the vendor 
or the body language if you're in person. If they're on the fence about giving you the Amazon deal anyway, I wouldn't push the exclusive right away. You may have time later to, to bring it up. Um, but if they're like jumping all over and want you to be their person on Amazon, you know, they're like that little puppy that's so happy to see you because you take this pressure off of them where they don't have to do it, um, then, then maybe you can ask at the opening. So you're, this is one you're going to have to play by ear and you're also going to have to, um, to learn a bit about doing it. And the only way you can learn is by doing it. Um, in the wholesale sourcing book, Ron wrote a whole chapter about negotiating with vendors, and one part of that is about negotiating exclusives. And Deborah just wrote about something we should focus on in the group, and great minds think alike, Deborah, because Ron and I are already planning a, um, a seminar about this very thing, about approaching wholesalers, and it will probably be video, um, so you can see the body language and the 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 words that come out might come out better that way. Not guaranteeing it's video, but it might um, about the negotiation process and all of that. So, so that's in the works um, after um, after Q4 um, because in this run up, we're just get, everything's going to get too hectic, and we want you to have time to um, to digest it and put it into place like right after the first of the year because lots of trade shows start up um, after the first of the year, so you need to have these these skills in your arsenal to be able to um, put them into play when you go to trade shows. So um, so a couple other things came up in potluck that I want to talk about. And one is something that um, I'm not going to say who it is, but it's someone who's in the group and in chat um, has been negotiating with a vendor and was worried because Amazon carries half of their product line but doesn't carry the other half. And they're all, a rela- they're all in the same niche, which means, by niche I mean the same category on Amazon, big category. Um, but they aren't the same products, but they're all related in that way. And, you know, it, that's a good point. You're thinking, hmm, well, why did Amazon buy this part of their product line but hasn't touched this other part? And so um, I asked this person because, She'd sent me emails from this the vendor, and you could tell that there was a good vibe with the person. I said, "Ask them why. Ask them why Amazon bought half and didn't buy the other half." And do you know what they said? They said the buyer, the Amazon buyer, the person or the department that buys this part of our line is not the same person or group that buys the other part. Meaning, one hand doesn't know what the other one was doing. So the person who bought the one product group for Amazon doesn't tell the other people that buy the other group of items what this vendor has. One hand doesn't know what the other is doing. That's like a a light bulb moment, right? Because we think Amazon is so smart and they do everything. Um, And they know it, they know it all. Well, this was, so to me, that was like the ideal, the ideal answer. Because if, if he just said, well, Amazon tried them and they didn't really do too well, that would be, no, because um, they aren't a cheap product. So, um, so it was an interesting thing to realize um, um, that just because Amazon has one part of the product line doesn't mean they have the other part. Um, and so this person went ahead 
and ordered um, a good size opening order of these products so they'll be here for the holidays because I think they'll sell really well at holidays, even though they aren't a holiday item. And she also got a 90-day exclusive to see how it goes. Um, so so she can't. they can't sell to anybody else. They can't sell to Amazon these products for 90 days. So that will get her through the holidays and see how they go. So that's a win-win for everybody. This vendor gets the, the rest of their product line on Amazon. The person who's buying them um, has at least a 90-day assurance which, through the most important time of the year that Amazon is not going to jump on them, that if somebody um, all of a sudden realizes, oh, crap, we buy from them and we didn't get those items, you know, well, it's too bad for this holiday season. So, And if she does real well with them, Hopefully, the the vendor will renew the exclusive for a longer period of time. But I think it's a win-win situation all the way around. And this person um, did a ton of research, because um, I saw a lot of it, a ton of research finding these products. And I think bravo for her for doing a deal in the best way possible for everybody. So yay. Um, I think it's just it's just an awesome result. And it shows that there are holes in the Amazon system that we can take advantage of, and we should take advantage of them. Um, that's kind of our job is to be faster and smarter than Amazon. And I did tell the woman on the call yesterday that, that we as third-party sellers look at that as our advantage, that we don't have to go through purchasing departments and approval steps and all that. For the most part, we decide whether we want that product or not. We decide when we reorder, all of that kind of stuff. So it's our job to be, I think, faster and smarter. Um, we may not have the masses of technology tools available that Amazon does, but deep down, our gut will do us right 99% of the time. If you feel it's right, it probably is. So, um, so that's most excellent um, news for someone in the group, and I want you guys to think about how you can leverage that. So say you've, you've looked up a product and found a wholesaler for you know, a group of, say, kitchen products, okay? And you see the first, like, four kitchen things on the list, and you check it. Amazon is on all four of those. Well, do you say, oh, heck, uh, this is a bust. I'll just move on without looking at others? No. Um, you can either take a list of UPC codes and run them through a, um, a evaluation program like ScanPower Evaluate, and there's several of them out there. Or you can do random checks with plugging the UPC codes into you know, just Amazon search and see what comes up. I tend to do that because a lot of my stuff does not have UPC codes, so I'll even just type the title in to see. And see, does Amazon well and truly have the whole thing locked up? or um, do they just have part of it? So in a lot of cases, if listings are done right, you can just type in the brand name. So you could type in um, Ron's Kitchen Gadgets as the brand name and see what comes up and see if Amazon's on a lot of them. Um, Elizabeth Jungle Scout, I have not used that, but I think I should go do it so I can learn more about it. Elizabeth saying Jungle Scout helps see the list of which ones are FBA merchants and sold or Amazon. So um, so that's one to look at. Um, I think we need to do a podcast with some of these people from these um, tools, the ones that have come very highly recommended, not just every tool. 
and see where we, we come up with them. So so um, that's Jungle Scout, and Elizabeth says she thinks you can try it for free, so it won't hurt to look. Um, take a minute or two and see what happens. So we're about at the end of our time today, but I have a few things, housekeeping stuff and all of that. Um, we will um, catch up on some stuff. Um, in an hour's time, um, at the same place on TalkShoe, um, Deborah Conrad has her Thrifting for Profit podcast, and I get to tag along so we can just, like, chat about stuff um, for an hour, all, all online selling related from sourcing to, um, to, goodness, thrift stores to Amazon packaging to everything. It's, it's a really wide-ranging group if you're not a member. So, um, so yeah, so that's in an hour's time. Um, the other thing is um, the photo seminars. If you have not watched the replays or want to watch them again, there are links to all of them in one handy place in the file section called Photo Seminar Instructions. And as we do new ones, the links will be put up there. So you can find them easily in the one place. Um, click on them and watch away. Um, the last one ended up edited over two hours because it was a great time. Um, um, and really, I think really, really valuable. Lots of good homework, lots of good comments, lots of good suggestions. So um, we will be doing the next one a week from this coming Friday. Um, not this Friday, but the next Friday, which is, let me check the date here, which is the, I mean, yeah, uh, gosh, I don't even have it in my calendar. Anyway, it's a week from Friday. Um, I guess I'm so used to all every Friday. Um, and we're going to be talking about photographing for bundles and for multi-packs. So how do you arrange the items to look the best? How do you, what, what should be in front? What should be in back? Where should you light it? Um, all those kind of things. So um, whether you're selling three bottles of shampoo or a candy dish and candy and, you know, a trick-or-treat bag, whatever it is, we're going to, Ron, I'm not going to show you. Ron's going to show you how to arrange the stuff. Um, for the best impact for the buyer. Um, so, um, Deborah, you come help. She says she's flying to Jackson to help. Please come. Please come. We'd love to have you. If you left, like, Wednesday, you could be here in time. It's a two-day drive, so um, you could drive even. So, um, um, so Carolyn got her folio. I know Alp has one. I think people are realizing that it's an awesome tool. And Ron said in the group that if you have one with the extra lights, temporarily put them in place until you see what is the best place to permanently stick them down. And to be honest, I think he just um, he um, moves them around from time to time. So, so um, that's the thing. Don't permanently mat them until you're sure. Um, so bundles the next photo seminar. Um, the um, the Facebook group is closing in on being full. Um, it's not quite there, but it's closing in on being full. So if you have anybody who wants to join the group, I would guess we'll be full within the next week. So have them join now. Um, because I don't, uh, as much as I love the 19,000 people in Thrifting for Profit, 19,000 people, um, this is meant to be a small and intimate group where we're not afraid to share um, where answers, questions get answered 
in a reasonable time before they get buried in a whole line of posts and all that. So, um, so yeah, um, join up. And I think I think yesterday kind of showed that, dang, that was worth it just for everybody um, to get into all the um, all the gated categories. That just made my evening or two evenings, you know. Um, Alp with her, her dated category hangover and then Debbie with her message and then all the other people saying, I can't believe it, I got in. So, um, so yeah, so 19,000 in thrifting for profit. That's just pretty amazing. Um, you know, it's still, it's still um, mind-boggling because I remember when there was like 900 and then I remember actually there was like 50 when I joined. So that's that's crazy. Um, yeah, and the point of this paid group, it, it can't be large because we can't go into depth if it's too big. Um, so it's a whole different kettle of fish. So um, the um, photo seminar prizes have gone out. I think um, Buffy got hers already, and Ed's is on the way, um, coming by Amazon. So we'll see how they do with delivery. I was actually surprised because I Buffy got hers, I think, Monday, and the seminar was Friday evening, so I ordered it Saturday morning and it got there Monday, so that, that was pretty good. Um, Ed's, I, um, I have to say, Ed didn't send me his address, so I did realize I had it from something else, so I didn't get his order till yesterday. So, um, so yeah, so, so Al, that's kind of it. You just, you, we can't get too big. Um, I would love to, just, you know, to be able to say we could have a thousand people, but that's an unrealistic um, an unrealistic thing. So um, Elizabeth has a hard time staying up late enough. Yeah, um, yeah. The East Coast people have it a little harder. So, um, so you never know. We may do prizes in the middle next time for those of you who have to go to bed at before midnight. I think it was close to midnight on the East Coast um, um, before we finished last week. Um, there are 90 in the group right now, Buffy. Um, but that includes Ron and I, so technically 88, because uh, we don't really count. So, um, so I think we're going to wrap it up, everybody. Um, thanks, Wendy, for the the um, thing on my arbitrage. But you guys now have a job to keep your eye open on anomalies like that. So, have a great day. Have a great rest of the week. Join us on the Thrifting for Profit podcast. Um, starts in an hour. Um, We've got more good stuff to talk about. Probably none of this will be repeated, so you'll get all new information. And we'll see you then. And see you in the Facebook group. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.